Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and I am joined on this very, very, very hot day in Adelaide by Will Murden. As always, how's it going today, Will? Yeah, sweating a lot, mate. Profusely. My testicles moist. Um, But yeah, it has been a hot, hot day and that is only set to continue into the latter end of the week. But speaking of hot, bowl season starting, so we're starting to get a little bit toasty in terms of the end of the college football season as well. This is our week one preview for this particular section of bowl games. We've got a whole lot of news we need to get through as well. We've got award winners, we've got some NFL declarations, coaching moves continue to occur Letter of Intent Day is actually upon us, is currently live and in action. We'll touch on that very quickly. Uh, We've got the review of the Army-Navy game. We've got some game previews and something else in there as well before you go on the punt to hopefully look to finish your season strong. So a massive show ahead of us. Looking forward to it. We certainly do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, a bit bittersweet coming to this point in the season, but there's plenty of... I don't know, tantalating, titillating matchups. Titillating, one might titillating. Say. Yes, and we will touch on the kind of setup around bowl games in just a second. But before we do that, the awards night for NCAA football occurred just this week, and we had a whole bunch of winners obviously announced, including an Australian, which we are very happy about. But do you want to take us through those, William? Yeah, sure thing. So it uh, was a big night uh, handing out awards in the college football world and not a a whole heap of surprises, I must say, on the night, which is probably fair. There was one that I thought was a bit odd, but maybe I'll quickly run through them and and we can jump in uh, where it makes sense to. But Joe Burrow really headlined the night, really dominated. So I think they have the awards night and then the Heisman ceremonies are at a later date. But we've, we've been past all this. So Joe Burrow has really cleaned house this year. Uh, he, he took away the Heisman as, was it college football's best player? I think yes, it's just correct. You know, a good quarterback on the best team. Yes, that is how it works. You've got to have your Heisman moment though. <laughs> correct, correct. So he uh, did that and I, he did it by a record margin. So the most uh, first place votes ever recorded. Wow, uh, and... Yeah, he, he, he was the clear winner this year, and I don't think there's much arguing that. So to go along with his dominant performance in the Heisman, uh, Joe Burrow has also walked away with the Maxwell Award, the Walter Camp Award, and the Davey O'Brien Award. So Davey O'Brien's best quarterback. Yeah, I think one's a, an offensive player or something and a most impressive operator. Well, I, don't I don't know. know. Yeah, because the categories are Player of the Year, Maxwell Award, and Player of the Year, Walter Camp Award. And then you've got the best player, which is the Heisman. So, yeah. I don't know, a lot of love, and it's really weird when it all goes to the same person too. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, his... I just don't know how you give the Heisman to someone but give the other ones to other people. I've never understood that. I've never understood how yeah. in the NFL you've got the MVP who's different to the Offensive Player of the Year. I'm like, well, they're not playing defense as well, so I've never understood <laughs> yeah. that. but. Anyway. That's a bit odd. So, whatevs. Um, so, the coach of the year was Ed Orgeron at LSU. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And then the best defensive backs where I've got issue. And, and that's yeah, Grant that, Delpit. 
That was mine as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. That was the name that I had a big asterisk next to because I was like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think he had a fantastic season. It was good because he is good and he's a good athlete, but that is, no, nah, I'm not buying Exactly it. right. Exactly right. Like he's got I don't even think traits, he was the best but... DB on his team. Yeah, yeah, correct. Correct. So that was, for me, a bit of a strange one and very much name brand. Like going into the year, we all knew about him. We knew he was the All-American. But yeah. he, he didn't quite live up to that billing. And don't get me wrong, he's still like immensely talented and has a bright future ahead of him. But I don't know. I, I feel like there's probably a few more deserved uh, blokes out there who are feeling a little hard done by. Yep. Um, the best center was Ty- Tyler Byerdays at Wisconsin. So yeah, he's I mean, one I, that you often hear about. I do watch a and lot of just, center football. <laughs> it's just a lot of uh, popularity contests though, isn't it? Because there's him who we've heard about. There's Rodrigo Blankenship at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a stat, so maybe he has been the best. But I just think he's the most, the best known kicker. Well, he and he missed one. What was the big one he missed An as well? An important one, yeah. Yeah, who was that against? Can't in, remember. In their loss to South Carolina. Yes, he did too. And there's your, there's your, if there's a Heisman moment, there's your Lou Groza moment. And he, <laughs> he came up small. Correct. Yes. Uh, the best linebacker of the Buckets Award was Isaiah Simmons, which is probably fair. He's been pretty elite. Yep. Uh, Doak Walker Award, best running back. Jonathan Taylor, not happy with that. <laughs> not happy with that. I mean, he wasn't even in the uh, Heisman candidate, but he won the. Doke Walker for the second time running. Yes, yeah. So, again, it just feels a little bit popularity contest. I don't know. I feel like my boy Tuba had a better season statistically. I don't know what else he's supposed to do, but whatevs. Uh, the best wide receiver was Jamar Chase at LSU. He was very impressive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I best don't know tight end. Wins it. Harrison Bryant yeah, from yeah, <laughs> Harrison Bryant, yes. Uh, best interior lineman is... Uh, Pinay, 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 Sewell, Sewell. Yeah, from Oregon. I feel like I've messed that one up many a time on this show. Yeah, um, and then the the Ray Guy Award. This is our one. The best punter, Max Duffy. Yeah, thrilled with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely deserved. And Dane Roy was the other finalist there, and um, it was good to see that his brother and dad came along for the award ceremony as well, which was fantastic. And the first time that. Uh, Kentucky had won that particular I saw a player from Kentucky won that particular award but his speech was really good as well and he goes oh, oh you know um, we're taking the award back to where it belongs in Australia which is 100% accurate because I think they said six of the last seven it was only Braden Mann last year who won it for Texas A&M but since you know all in the last seven years it's been all Australian so well done yes. to him yeah, and I love that he uh, recognises Australian roots. Disappointed we didn't get a shout-out, but hey, maybe next year when he goes back-to-back. Back. Well, we know um, what he looks like now, so that's good. So do you know the difference between the Bedner, Bednarik and the Nagurski? Uh, now, uh, no, I don't. One's a defensive okay, cool. lineman, one's a best defensive player. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's know. what I thought too. I've, in front of me, I've got that they're both defensive player of the year uh, and they were both won by Chase Young. But I thought yes. it was that too. I thought one was D-line and, and one was defensive uh, player of the year. My uh, knowledge we had of, top... F- sorry, my knowledge of those two players, well, they go well back, but Chuck, I can never say his name right. It's not Bednarik. We would say Bednarik here, but Bednarik or something. 
I think he was a Philadelphia Eagle going well back. He actually played both ways, but I think he was a he was a linebacker. And Bronco Nagurski was also a fullback and a linebacker as well. I think for the Chicago Bears, maybe going well back. Um, Sounds about right. But yeah, I, both were kind of defensive uh, linebackers as opposed to defensive linemen. So anyway, pushing on. Okay. Uh, the top former walk-on was Kenny Willickies. That's yep, a sweet cool. name. At cool. Michigan State. Uh, the most inspirational, I don't know how the fuck you win that one, but most uh, inspirational was Casey O'Brien at Minnesota. Yeah, I don't even know who uh, that is. Did you know they had an academic Heisman? Yes, I did know that. That's odd. Uh, Justin Herbert won that one. He's some sort of science kid, uh, quarterback out of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, the Community Service Award was John Wasink at Western Michigan. And the best assistant coach, we'd been banging his drum a little bit. I know you were talking him preseason. I was talking him midseason. Joe Brady took, took that home with the fantastic job that he had done with LSU's passing game. Yes, he did. And, and congratulations to all the award winners. Uh, I... Probably don't put much uh, clout in any of these awards. I think the Heisman was well and truly earned by Joe Burrow. I don't think there's any questions there. But the other ones, you know, it is what it is. Well done, guys. And uh, push on to winning your bowl games. All right, that takes us through the award winners. Let's quickly jump into some declarations. So the rules around college football, if you are new to college football or, you know, haven't followed it or you followed the NBA and you see college guys – I mean, do they? Have, they've got to play one now in college basketball. I think is that right, Will? I don't exactly know. Yeah, I think, but I think that's also changing as well. That landscape's a okay. bit flux. So, with uh, college football, you have to play at least three years. One of those years can be a red shirt year, so you can declare as a red shirt sophomore at the end of your red shirt sophomore season, uh, which some guys have done. Jameis Winston did that, uh, but for a lot of guys, they take it through to their junior years. And then they'll declare. And, and some underclassmen or players that are not seniors have declared this year heading into the draft. So I will throw out some names and, and see what you reckon. But Cam Akers, the running back at Florida State, coaching change, and he decides to leave. I don't think he's getting too much more out of Florida State football. Makai no, Beckton, running back who's position, that? Yeah, running back position is always one. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Makai um, Becton, the offensive tackle at Louisville, he's a monster of a man and he will go relatively high, I would think. Eno Benjamin, the running back at Arizona State. Lynn Bowden Jr. is an interesting one, the wide receiver from Kentucky uh, because he ended up finishing the season playing quarterback. Uh, other kind of names that you may be famous with, uh, familiar with, Gabriel Davis, uh, the wide receiver at UCF, is a really, really good one. AJ Dillon the running back at Boston College. How do you see his pro prospects as a running back, Will? Yeah, I think he's got that three-down capability. He was obviously leaned on heavily at Boston. So I'm interested to see how he goes. I expect him to be probably a, a later round pick, like round four onwards. But I'm certainly intrigued to see how he plays out. And I'll be uh, looking to pick him up in a few of my dynasty leagues in fantasy for sure. Okay, big, slow, chugging, running back at the next level. Yatir Gross Matos, the defensive end from Penn State, is a really, really good one as well. Uh, and he'll be looking probably to slide into... I mean, he's got a fair bit of scheme versatility. I don't think that 
He's just going to play that five technique in a three, four, but he can play as a defensive end in, in an old older school four, three, um, or in a, in an, uh, an even front, uh, team. CJ Henderson, the cornerback from Florida makes sense. Kylan Hill, the running back from Mississippi state makes sense. Uh, who else have we got? Jordan loves probably an interesting one from Utah state. He could have transferred, or grad transferred this year, and there was talk that he was going to do that, but he opts to come out early despite a pretty average season. So that's an interesting one for the Aggies quarterback. Yeah, I'm not big on that one. I uh, I really thought that he should have looked at that transfer option, especially if Oklahoma was an, an opportunity there. I don't know if that is the case, but certainly yeah. that's, if I was him, what I would have been angling towards. There was talk that those guys did come into contact and – you know, obviously, Oklahoma have run Baker Mayfield into Kyler Murray into Jalen Hurts. So they're not shy, and Lincoln Riley is certainly not shy to pick up a transfer quarterback that he thinks can can do the job. So uh, Anthony McFarlane running back at Maryland. Albert O, the tight end at Mizzou. Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU. You've watched more TCU football than I have, but... I don't know how I see him as a pro prospect. I think he's undersized. I don't see him as a true number one. So I think it's interesting for him to come out because I think he is going to max out in college. So what are your thoughts on yeah, Jalen Rager? He's, he's scheme dependent for me. So like he's fast and yeah. you know you can't teach fast. So it depends where he ends up and if he's used the right way. There, there's kind of a lot of circumstances where there's fast dudes like DeAnthony Thomas who really tore it up at the college level and never really took it off at the pros. And then yeah. there's guys like, uh, what's his name? Hill at uh, Kansas City. Yeah, Tony who's, who's absolutely dominating at the pro level and was just a speedster when he was at, at college. So it's, yeah, I think I, I really rate his play. I've seen him absolutely dominate in, in some instances in the big 12. So for me, it's very much a scheme thing there and I'm hoping he lands in a good spot. Okay. LaVisca Chenault, who I think is probably a better wide receiver, the guy from Colorado who did everything for them. JJ Taylor, the running back out of Arizona. Uh, you've got Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia. He's a mammoth of a man. Jeff Thomas, the wide receiver from Miami, who has been incredibly disappointing in his career. Josh Uche, the linebacker from Michigan. He's an interesting one because he's going to be probably that three, four rush end type. Uh, and then another Georgia tackle, uh, apart from that, that is pretty much it. But there are, are there any other names in the world of early declarations for the NFL draft? Is there any of these guys that are going to push up into the top five or ten? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there wasn't any that really jumped out to me. I know DeAndre Swift, there was a report that came out that said he was going to forego his senior season and declare, and then he's come out and refuted that and said, haven't made up my mind, playing him a bowl game, then I'm going to make a call from there. Uh, yeah. I know Chuba Hubbard is another one who has come out and said, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm playing in my bowl game and then I'm going to make my decision up after that. So those are interesting. It's looking like a really deep running back class. Yeah, with no high-end talent, probably. I mean, Cam Akers is the best of that bunch. Uh, mm, Jonathan Taylor is better with than Jonathan Cam Taylor. Sorry, uh, and DeAndre but, Swift would be better as well. Yeah, but there's no Saquon coming out. I guess the same could be said. I, I, I guess it, it pales in comparison to the wide receiver class. 
Um, and the fact that running backs in the NFL are somewhat devalued. If you've got a good one, you've got a good one, but that doesn't seem to be the the top 10 running back coming out this year, I wouldn't have thought. No, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. All right, let's push on. So some quick coaching updates, and feel free to add any as we go through. But Graham Harrell is staying at USC he has taken that Trojan offense from the 90s into the top 20. Keaton Slovis set all sorts of records this year. So I'm expecting big things from the Trojans next year. If you are a USC fan, I would be starting to... Well, I mean, you want to keep the lid on a little bit and see how they go in the bowl game, but I would be gearing myself up for what should be a really good season next year. And if it's not, see you later, Clay Helton. Jeff Halfley moves from Ohio State to be the head man at Boston College. I think he was a defensive backs coach there for a long time um, assistant defensive coordinator I believe as well uh, but he heads across to Boston College App State have kept Sean Clark as their head man he was the caretaker after Eli Drinkwitz departed and he stays on as the head coach likewise Memphis keep things in house making Ryan Silverfield the head coach Steve Adazio after getting the chop from Boston College heads to Colorado State Marcus Arroyo was the offensive coordinator at Oregon and is now the head guy at UNLV. Are there any other names that I should mention, William? No, I think that's the extensive list. I really like Adazio to Colorado State there. I think he can do good things. I think he was unlucky to get the chop at BC. I think they're going to regret moving on from him because uh, I think he's a good coach and and we're going to see that. Yeah, he's an interesting one. He spent most of his time, I believe, in the east so to move out to colorado state is going to be a bit of a different setup for him different recruiting grounds um, and that may have an impact obviously colorado state not necessarily an easy job uh, he's got to get that program kickstarted again i'm sure there's a whole bunch of other positional guys there's strength coaches moving around there's wide receivers linebackers coaches all this kind of happening and as staff settle out we will see that i mean um former rutgers coach and signed uh, he has moved to the defensive coordinator position at texas maybe can't remember um, but he's rejoined somebody so guys do move around from defensive positions or from head coaching back to coordinator positions as well anyway the last thing i'll touch on before we get into a couple of other little segments is it is currently letter of intent day now that letter of intent day or it's actually a signing period so the prospective high schoolers that are set to graduate move on to college formally signed their letters of intent in February. In the last couple of years, we have seen the letter of intent or an early signing period occur, and that occurs on a three-day period starting this Wednesday through till Friday, a three-day period. Now, up to about 80% of all um upcoming or ingoing college students sign on that particular day now so it's made the secondary day a little bit not redundant certainly but uh, majority of the prospects are going to sign over the next three days it is a three-day window but that window opens at 7 a.m local time now the time in the eastern states of america which is the first one to go is currently about uh, three or four o'clock in the morning actually actually we're a little bit later than that we're coming up on this 7 a.m. kickoff. But here in Australia, that has well and truly passed. In fact, we are like 14 hours past that. So we have already had five guys from Australia sign with schools. Josh Watts is going to Colorado. Mark Crawford 
going to Minnesota. Stephen Cotsanley is going to Utah State. Alex Mastromano to Florida State and Jeremy Crawshaw to Florida as well. So the five new Australians joining the punting ranks of college football. Uh, I always like following recruiting. Uh, any thoughts on this year, the class, what you're expecting, etc. Will? Oh, it's awesome news. And I think that's probably just the first wave that we know about. I still expect that list to grow. Uh, and why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't they look to come down when they've seen the success that happens here? When you see the numbers that are coming out, it's it's just a, an excellent pipeline to have. And there's some really big programs in there that you've mentioned. So that's really good to see too. All, all the big boys are now on board and, and can see that that's the way to go. Uh, I think before it was more just a bit of a competitive advantage for some of those fringe teams who were looking to see what they could do to to get a leg up. And now, kind of like the way that you know the spread offense or up-tempo offense made its way in, it was on the outside and then the big players started to say, hey, there's something to this. If we can run this with the dudes that we've got, we won't be stopped. And and now it's just taken a life of its own in terms of how many Aussies are over there. And, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, and, and like you said, just in terms of keeping a check on scholarship numbers, teams can only sign 25. So a lot of those do actually wait till second signing day. There will be a second one because they can roll them as counters for the following year, depending on when they sign. So I, I look at a guy like Lou Headley came in pretty late for Miami, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, and there'll be some guys that certainly sign late. But an exciting time ahead for all those particular schools and players so we'll see how that shakes out expect to see the clemson alabamas ohio states georgia's at the top of those lists as per usual though all right i've got a quick seg i've got a quick segment for us here will and this does need to be quick because we are burning up clock it is late on this particular wednesday but i was thinking as the season comes to a close and we see teams for the last time they're playing in their last games in these bowl games we see coaches for the last time and we do see players for the last time as well we bid them well we'll miss them and especially we'll miss the game over the following seven to eight months however There are some teams from 2019 that we will not miss. We're not going to look back in two or three years now and say, hey, gee, remember that 2019 Northwestern team? They were fantastic. There's a whole bunch of teams that we are not going to miss for whatever reason that is. They didn't sit well with us. They annoyed us. They underperformed, were uninspiring, overrated, overly media involved and Maybe there's just a couple of teams that really get under your bonnet. Do you have any teams that you're not going to miss this off-season, Will? Yes, I do. I have a couple of teams that I'm probably a bit over. Uh, and those, I mean, yeah, we're going to hate as soon as it's done and we're in the depth of off-season. But the, the, for the first one for me, I'm going to throw out there is Michigan. Uh, this is wow. a team that... I was really high on going on in the year. And then, you know, they were, they were sluggish early. They were quite disappointing. But they, they never really reached any heights. And now they get a, a decent bowl game against Alabama. But I just, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, there's ho- always so much hype about this Michigan team and they're not delivering. So I'm, you know, I'm more interested in what Ohio State are doing as a as a winning program or a few of the other storylines. 
I mean, imagine if Michigan go and beat a depleted Alabama team, a team that may have as many as 10 dudes skip the bowl game in prep for the draft. Imagine if they go and win that, the hype that would start off and go through the offseason. I don't want to hear that. They're a team. I hope they do. I hope they do. I'm all aboard Michigan. (laughs) Give me some more Michigan, uh, Jim Harbaugh, love. I'm all about it. All right, what do you got? All right, the first one that I'm going to kick off with is Iowa. Now, the 2019 iteration of this sluggish, overrated, Big Ten, stodgy offense, spectacularly mediocre defense was so boring to watch. They were 91st in the country at 23.8 points a game. That is a touchdown worse than the 2018 version. And if you take out the non-conference aspect, their offense gets even worse than that. Their biggest score in the Big Ten was 30 points. That's the maximum they scored in a game. And that was to Rutgers. Rutgers copped some absolute whoopings from the likes of like Middle Tennessee or, you know, whoever. Rutgers sucked. And all Iowa could do was put 30 points. And that's three touchdowns. That is not very good. Nate Stanley was supposed to be good, but he had the handcuffs put on him. He was handcuffed and hogtied by the Ferentz family. I'm not going to miss Iowa. Okay, there you go. I'll say one thing in counter to that. When I'm watching football, there's one thing that I really don't like to see, and that's fucking penalties. I hate seeing the laundry on the field. I get over it. And Iowa do not commit a lot of penalties, so I appreciate that aspect of their game. Yay, well done, Iowa. Way to not get blown off sides. (laughs) Keeping it clean, not scoring points. Jeez, if that's what you hang your hat on for 2019, well done, Hawkeyes. Disciplined. Okay, so okay. Uh, my next one from me uh, is more forward-looking than historical, I would say, but it's Ole Miss, uh, the, the Rebels. So they've made okay. the big splashy hire. They've, they've gone out and grabbed <laughs> Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And you just know that that's going to have a whole bunch of fucking airtime now. Like we're going to hear a lot about this Ole Miss program, but they aren't going to be any good next year. Like, he doesn't have magic dust. He hasn't really done all that much at a good level that has me thinking that this team's going to be competitive in the SEC West. So I am not going to miss them in the offseason because I know there's going to be talk about it, and I, I, I don't want to see that. I mean, they went 2-6 and six in conference this year, uh, only had the four wins, and I think they're outside the top 20 in recruiting this year. They finished outside the top 30 the couple of years before that. It's not as if this is the same program that Hugh Freeze left. There's a, there's a big hole. And like stepping further into the future, yeah, I, I could certainly get interest. I like the old Miss Rebels. I like that program. But right now, not about it. Don't want to hear it. Won't miss them. <laughs> Okay. All right. My second one is, and you can't be surprised by this, but I'm taking Georgia. Their defense is the only reason that I probably won't go full noise on them right now, though I can feel myself building. But I mean, that defense was elite until they ran into an offense that knew what to do with the football. And that is generally the aim of the game is to move the football forwards. So when you're like, you know, facing the goal that you're trying to score, you want to move that ball forwards. And I think someone needs to tell Kirby Smart that because Ed Orgeron did it. He looked in the mirror and he said, you know what? My offense sucks balls. 
sweaty Australian Adelaide, 44 degrees, sweaty balls. My offense sucks. I need to change something. He goes and gets somebody who can fix it for him. Kirby Smart needs to do the same. He needs to have a look in the mirror and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm a defensive guy, but my offense sucks. It was a disaster. Apparently, I've got a great running back. I've got the biggest offensive line in football. I've got two guys that have declared early to go to the draft. Our offensive line is bigger than some NFL lines. I've got a future NFL quarterback, and I managed to make them look absolutely rat shit to the point where I got bent over in the SEC championship game from minute one. I did not look even close. And you know what terrible looks like? Terrible is that James Coley, Georgia offense. And you can tell terrible offense because I watch it weekly at Miami, but it's no explosive plays. You're terrible in third down percentage, 60th in the country with the biggest O-line and apparently a really good running back. 39% on third down, give me a break. But the the other thing that we're going to hear all off season to follow your line is the SEC slurpers. They're going to have them in the top five preseason again. They continue to get smoked by the upper echelon. And Kirby Smart is just Mark Rick reincarnated. All he is is going to have them hovering around the mark, but never actually push them over the edge. Here's a challenge for you. Play a style that or don't play a style that maxes out in the top 10 because that's what you're doing. Take a risk, go and get somewhere, maybe go backwards for a year, but actually go and win a national championship because what you're doing right now is not going to get it done. I'm going to hear about it more in the off season about how good the SEC in Georgia is and how elite that defense is. Georgia, I'm off you completely. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to miss you. Wow. That's a, that's a real Georgia rant there. I feel From like the when it's going to on... Yeah, we need Scotty Butler here to rebuttal that because him being a big Georgia boy would not appreciate that. But a lot of your points are fair. You've obviously got a school holidays now, a bit of time up your sleeve. So you've researched your rant and I respect that. All right. Any other teams from your end that you are not going to miss just quickly? Nah, I can't, man. I, I'm gonna, I, I probably won't ever miss those guys. I, I, I'll miss the sport. <laughs> Okay, I've got one more. I'm going to say Virginia only because I've hammered two offenses uh, for being really, really bad. And I'm going to, uh, you know, another team probably Virginia, good defensively, but and they had some good stuff, but they won the Coastal and are still irrelevant. So good on them. Uh, all right, yeah, let's move. Shout. Hey, fair shout that. Yeah, oh, disappointing. There's some other names that were on the bubble there as well. Washington, Utah, just got at me a little bit. But anyway, uh, okay, let's jump into our only game review. Army versus Navy. Navy. Uh, this one was a bit of a blowout in the end. Navy get up 31-7. to seven. Uh, What were your thoughts on this particular contest? Uh, yeah, I watched it early on and Army obviously scored first uh, and the only score in the first quarter and it was looking like, oh, this could be a rivalry match where we see a tight tussle. But then after that, Navy really took over. Uh, they, I don't know, it's, you know I'm not a big fan of the old option football and, and running <laughs> the ball a lot. What really yeah. did me in, in this one was more the Army defense and, and how they were manning up against it because all of the big plays from the Navy side of the field were when Malcolm Perry dropped back to pass the ball and then he fucking took off. He never fucking passes it. Like, it never happens. Don't get sucked into it. Don't drop into zones. Like, just... I don't, I don't even send my corners. Like, leave them completely free. Who cares? He's not Hello? going to throw the ball. 
and he didn't. I don't think he threw the ball once on the day. So for mine, he had so many massive chunk plays because he would drop back and they would move. And then as soon as he had the opportunity with a bit of space to juke dudes, he would. Like I really loved watching that because that dude is quick and his juke is nasty. Yeah, I mean, he went for 304 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He was fantastic. But he only ended up throwing that one pass, which – well, actually, and he didn't even throw it. So Navy only attempted one pass. And it wasn't from him, despite the fact that he looked like he was going to pass the ball. So you think they would try and shut him down, uh, but just couldn't do that at all. But to Malcolm Perry's credit and that Navy offense, I mean, he's really good, uh, but it was never really a contest. Uh, all right. Anything else that you would like to add about the Army-Navy game and a cloud of dust? No, there was a bit of a hoopla around some white supremacist hand signals that I I don't know. I I don't really want to go into on this one, but for mine, I think it's just like a childish hold it below your waist and you see it and and then you punch the dude sort of thing. But hey, I, I don't live in that area, so I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, again, feel like we're hesitant to comment on this kind of stuff. It's not our country, not our world. Uh, but it does seem like the reaction was extreme, rightly or wrongly. Uh, but anyway, an interesting situation that will need to be yes. cut, overcome. Uh, so we are tiptoeing around that one all right let's get into some game previews so we are into the first of our bowl previews we are going to do everything up until christmas and even a game on christmas here on uh, australian time but bowl games exist to try and put some semblance of knowledge together around how these teams fit in relation to everybody else in the college football world of the 130 teams in uh, FBS play, how can we possibly sift out who's where? So they generally put teams that they think are similar in ability or similar by record. So most of these teams, we shouldn't see big blown out lines that you sometimes get in conference play. Most of these lines should be uh, pretty, pretty small. Uh, in ter- oh, Sorry, the spread should be pretty, pretty small to ensure that we've got good games. So it should be good games the whole way through. So at this stage, we're pretty much just looking at rather than picking margins, we're picking winners and all we want to see is good quality games. So Yeah, and th- th- there's so many variables that go into these bowl games. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really tough because it's not always the two teams that played the course of the year going head to head there is often coach changes that throw things up in the air there's dudes declaring early there's the fact that it's a party school traveling to a a party destination that just means that you're not going to see what you would have seen during the year and it's not always an even playing field and that's why i really like gambling this type of year uh, time of year because there's a lot of these things that i think i've got some pretty good foresight into that uh, the average punter (laughs) might not okay yeah and lastly i will add that you've mentioned the coach factor you mentioned the hangover factor but there's also that care factor as well that you did touch on it earlier like are teams going to care that much particularly if you're normally a a high-end program that's had a disappointing year are you really going to care about the uh you know fluffy white rabbit bowl in some random place you know maybe that's not what you're focusing on and that and that's where I, I mean we'll touch on this one next week. But Alabama and Michigan, I have Michigan right in because 
I don't think Alabama are going to give a fuck about that game. It's not a national championship. It's not a playoff, so they don't give a shit. They're so used to playing in that. Anything else that's not that, ugh, who cares? Let's get after it. Well, we'll touch on that game next week, but let's have a quick look. So Saturday, 5.30, Buffalo and Charlotte play in the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. Now, this would be a good bowl game to get. The boys from Western New York must be stoked to get somewhere warm, and they're going to head down to Nassau, whatever it is, the, the capital there of the Bahamas. They're just going to be hanging out on the beach, go a bit of snorkeling, you know, just taking it easy. It'd be nice. Yeah, no, certainly. That would be awesome. So Especially for me, Buffalo, it's fucking freezing there. Oh, unbelievable! So for me, the Buffalo's defense will be too good in this. Charlotte on a five-game winning streak, but after watching zero minutes of 49ers football this year, I'm confidently going to pick Buffalo. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I've dug into this one a little bit, and Buffalo started slowly, which was expected after they lost uh, quarterback and leading receiver this year. But Charlotte is are a little misleading. Uh, I think they've struggled a bit against teams with a winning record. So uh, it's Buffalo for me in this one too. All right, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Utah State take on Kent State in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. God, some of the sponsors for these bowls are <laughs> just taking the piss, I swear to God. Um but this has been, and we mentioned this earlier, slightly disappointing year for Utah State and a team that I thought would be far better. They were no-shows in any game with a good team, really, which they were kind of picked to be a little bit more plucky than that and they just didn't deliver. Jordan Love took a step back, which we mentioned as well, but he wasn't overly impressive this year. Kent State are looking for their first bowl win ever, and this is their fourth crack at it, I believe but I think Utah State are going to be too good in this one and they will take out some Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl winners. Yes, they certainly will. So Kent State's, uh, I think they average over 470 yards uh, against per game. So they're potentially in a world of hurt there because that puts them in like 120th in the country. Utah State are a very competent offense. Whilst Jordan Love has been disappointing this year he's still a very good football player and if he's leading this offense here he's going to tear them apart i expect them to go large the aggies yeah i agree all right sunday 5 30 a.m central michigan take on san diego state in the new mexico bowl uh far closer to home for the aztecs in this one, their defense has been really, really good this year, conceding just 12 points per game. Unfortunately, their offense has been nothing short of terrible. We mentioned Michigan State, Northwestern as bad offenses. These guys are in the club as well. They managed a 14-11 loss to Hawaii, which is impressive how you score 11 points. Um, but that's where they're at. Central Michigan have got some pieces uh, on the offensive side, but it's the Aztecs for me in a really, really boring game. Okay, you like the Aztecs? I am going to differ from you on that one. I like Central Michigan, and this is the first of my mm. San Diego State's a party school. And when those boys get like to get out, they're going to have a good time. Uh, the fact that it's not exactly a party location kind of works against this one a little bit, but I think they're going to find some fun and that is going to come back and bite them. And Central Michigan coming off of their disappointing loss in the, uh, what was it, MAC championship game, will be looking to rebound and I'm thinking they're good for this one. So I like Central Michigan. 
Okay, there we go. All right, what have we got next? Sunday, 6 a.m., Georgia Southern versus Liberty in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. I don't even know where this one is, but we've got Georgia Southern's kind of option from the shotgun uh, versus a team that doesn't defend the run at all, like at all. Liberty is 107th in the country defending the run, so I'm taking Georgia Southern simply for the fact that they're going to be able to run all over Hugh Freeze's Liberty Flames. So give me Georgia Southern. Uh, I'm with you on this one too. I think it's just a great matchup for Georgia Southern because, yeah, Liberty have been porous against the run. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, okay. Okay. Let, let's push on. 7 a.m. SMU and FAU. You've got a lot to say about this one. This is the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, no Lane Kiffin for the hours as he moves to Old Miss. I like Sonny Duke's SMU Mustangs. Their offense is led by Shane Bouchel, uh, and he has had a really, really good season. I look at the body of work throughout the season for the Mustangs, and they're in the thick of a very good American Conference title race. That includes wins over TCU, Temple, Tulane, a tough ECU team to finish the season, and a close loss to Memphis. But on the other side, FAU have just lost their head coach, their best win or their best performance of the season may have actually been a loss to Ohio State in the season opener, 45-21. to 21. Apart from that, who else are they beaten? UAB in the championship game? UAB are pretty bad. An 8-4 and four Western Kentucky team? I don't, you know, maybe that's their best win. I'm taking SMU all the way here. Yeah, I, I like that, mate. Um, you, it's as if you've read off my notes because I agree with you wholeheartedly in most of that. I think FAU are a good team and, and they've shown that with a lot of dominant performances, but it hasn't been against the quality that SMU have come up against in the American that has been not even sneaky good this year, just good as a conference. So I like SMU as the better football team in this matchup, the more stable team as well, obviously with the head coach going and I don't know, I feel like those Florida Atlantic boys would like to party and they'd also be looking to see, you know, what options they have available now that the coach is leaving. Shit, maybe I can jump into the SEC with the coach or things like that. I think there's a bit of that at play that that has me worried for them. Okay. Uh, 9 a.m., Florida International and Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl. I don't want to talk about FIU, so Arkansas State for me and I'm not going to give any more insight than that. Take it away, Will. Yeah, no, I don't go lumping that one on me, mate. Uh, let's go FIU because you don't like them. It's not that I don't like them. I just can't believe what happened. But anyway, that is where we're at apparently. <sighs> Speaking of dumpster fires. All right, 11 a.m. We can probably spend a little bit of time on this one. This is Washington and Boise State playing in the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, the Chris Peterson Bowl, he's going on to become an administrator after this game. And I actually think, you know, you talk about Washington not playing in a relevant bowl, uh, bowl game, but I think against Boise State, the fact that it's Chris Peterson's last game, I think there'll be a fair bit of emotion in this game despite its, I guess, lowly sort of ranking. For me, Washington's defense, I think, will be too good against Boise State and Hank Buckmeyer. Uh, that offense doesn't have me full of confidence for the Broncos. So I'm going to take Washington 
in uh, probably a bit of a defensive struggle depending how well Jacob Eason gets out in the blocks. Yeah, okay. I uh, I keep flip-flopping on this one. I, I really can't pin it down because for mine, I feel like Boise State is the better team this year. Uh, they absolutely dominated Hawaii in the Mountain West and they've been very good all year. But the Chris Peterson factor is what has me really hesitant. I mean, he knows this Boise State program. I dare say he's got uh, a really good insight to, I don't know, like some time has passed, but I, I still have that that feeling that he's kind of, he's going to know a thing or two that perhaps will give him the upper hand. And the fact that it is his last game and that he is such an inspirational leader of that squad, I'm uh, I'm steering clear on the punt, certainly on this one. Uh, yeah. And I, I really don't know. If, if I had to pick, I'll go with Peterson. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Boise State upset this one as the better football team. All right, at 12.30 p.m. on Sunday, we have got the App State Mountaineers taking on UAB in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, this is an interesting game, this one, not because I think the football is going to be close, but we've got a 17-point favorite. This is one of those spreads that is a little bit bigger, and App State go in as heavy favorites here. They've just lost their coach in Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, otherwise, I think they destroy UAB. The only other issue we have, this game is in New Orleans. Bourbon Street is a calling. The hand grenades are a calling. And the Upstate boys could be in a bit of trouble. And the hangover factor is real. So, uh, you know, that's the only way this game is close. But I think Upstate's scoring ability will overpower the Blazers. Zach Thomas is going to throw three touchdowns, book it now, and Upstate will win. Yeah, I mean, 17 points is a massive line in this one, uh, but I think App State are going to exceed that. I think they'll absolutely crush UAB, whose defense ain't great, and App State have been putting up points all year. I expect that to continue, and they're going to win big. Yeah, I agree. All right, Tuesday, 6 a.m., UCF and Marshall in the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Whatever the hell that is and means. Uh, UCF is still a really, really good team. I think they've drawn a pretty average one here. I know they dropped a couple of games this year, but they are a class above Marshall. I don't think this one's close either. Marshall have lost to Middle Tennessee, Charlotte, and got blown out by Cincy as well. Dylan Gabriel might be the best freshman player in the country uh, is the quarterback for UCF. Uh, I think they do it out of canter. Yeah, I'm with you again. I mean, there's another big line here. So these two games are the ones with big lines. And, oh, yeah, UCF are a much better football team than Marshall. So I'll certainly back them in and 17 points. I think that just accounts for the craziness that can happen in bowl games. I think they're more like, you know, 25-plus better team. Yeah, for sure. All right, Wednesday, which is... Wednesday here, the 25th of December, makes it Christmas Day at 11.30. We have got Hawaii and BYU in the Hawaii Bowl. I'll let you kick this one off. I've done a lot of talking tonight. So what are your thoughts on this particular contest, Will? Well, it's great to have some football on uh, Christmas Day here in Australia, which is is pretty awesome, like 11.30. If, I don't know what else is happening in other people's lives, but I'll be trying to <laughs> dial in at a family lunch i'm sure and be getting caught but uh yeah i mean 
this for me, I, I really like Hawaii. BYU have been one of those teams this year that kind of scraped through to a bowl game with seven wins. They've got some pretty bad losses on their schedule. I like that Hawaii can go in and win this game. Uh, they're slight underdogs here, but like I fully expect them to win this game. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this Hawaii team has been really impressive this year. They'd be disappointed with the lopsided defeat in the Mountain West Championship game, but it's a hell of an effort to get there. And I think they deserve some reward on a successful season and that they can see that against BYU this year who, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they haven't been doing much for me. Their schedule wasn't great. Uh, when they played decent teams, they lost. When they played bad teams, they won. And when they played average teams, they kind of struggled too. So not huge on this BYU program, and I'm all about the bows in this one. I am going to heavily disagree with that. Um, I thought that they actually had a, a pretty reasonable season. Uh, if you look at their record, as we take you through it, they beat Tennessee. Now, Tennessee weren't good early, admittedly, but they beat Tennessee. They beat USC. Uh, they got touched up by Washington, but a lot of teams do. Uh, they did have a few battles there, but they went and beat Boise State, who you rate pretty highly. They beat Utah State, uh, Liberty. Uh, you know, they've, they've had a, a reasonable season. It has been a little bit up and down, but they've had a really tough schedule to start the year, and, and they've done a fantastic job. So... I think they're actually better than their 7-5 and five record indicates. I believe, whilst Hawaii have got an awesome offense, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Con McDonald and Cedric Bird, but their defense is the worst. Hawaii cannot stop anybody to save them li- their lives. I like Zach Wilson. I like the BYU offense, possibly the most uh, in college football at all from a schematic standpoint. They'll create turnovers because Hawaii do turn the ball over a lot. Um, and I see them getting up by a couple of points. The only reason that would make me think otherwise would be if because it is a home game for Hawaii. But apart from that, no, I'm, I'm BYU all the way. Okay, cool. We can go back and check this one uh, around Christmas. We certainly can. All right, let's now go on the punt as we have gone through all the games that we need to get through in preparation for Christmas. Uh, you've got some money to burn, Will, so talk us through it. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. Yes, I do. I do have some money to burn, and I've got a number of uh, games that I want to I want to get into and get after. So I'm following a lot of my picks here, uh, but we're going to take most of them at the line. Uh, the one underdog that I am backing here, we're going to take to win outright though. So firstly, we like Buffalo at minus six and a half points there. Um, I, I think that they're clearly a better team than Charlotte. Uh, they've been running hot the last few weeks. They're six and one against the spread in their last seven games. So that's good enough for me. We're taking them minus six and a half. Uh, next one up we have... so. Two units on all of these teams. Uh, So two units, Buffalo minus six and a half. Next up, Utah State minus seven. So I really like them in this one. I feel like seven's not nearly enough against Kent State. Their offense is too good. They're going to score way too many points for that Kent State side. Uh, They 
They have a pretty good record against the spread over the last couple of years, so I'm going to expect that to continue in this one uh, and for them to go well. I'm taking Central Michigan to win outright, so they're four-point underdogs in their matchup, but I really like them in that one against San Diego State just purely because San Diego State can't put up points. So I'm I'm going to take Central Michigan as an underdog there. Next one for me is Georgia Southern. So they're only four and a half point favorites, but they're going to run all day and all over Liberty. So I'll eat that up. Thank you. Four and a half points, Georgia Southern. Uh, SMU over FAU. So I'm going, I'm taking the three there. Um, Again, I mean, these teams are all just like, they're better. And to me, they seem to be clearly better. So I'm, I'm taking a few favorites here and, and a lot of chalk and I'm not big on that but it's a it's a tight line and I think SMU deserve to be favorites in this FAU one that has all this turmoil going on and finally to bring things home App State more than 17 points they're going to win big I know you said that there's a bit of a risk that those boys go out partying but I'd say the same thing for the Alabama Birmingham ones there uh, <laughs> I'm going App, App State minus 17 in that one so two units on all of those games burns us through 12 units this week okay so we're still a chance of getting in the black wheel surely absolutely (laughs) there's always a chance all right that brings us to the end of a very interrupted bowl preview game week one we've had some technical difficulties we do apologize the equipment doesn't like the heat either um but we have got through if you can please, as our faithful listeners have, as you have been all year, please do subscribe to the show. Please do really, uh, give us a review. Uh, whichever way you do that is fine by us. So, you know, make sure you do subscribe on your pod catcher of choice, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, whatever other million ones there are out there. Make sure you do subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Let us know how your bowl season is tracking um, because this is it. I mean, we are towards the end of the season now and it is only a mere month away and uh, it'll all be done and dusted. So please enjoy your festive season. Enjoy your Christmas. Spend some time with family. Do not drink too much. If you are here in South Australia, stay hydrated. In fact, if you're anywhere in Australia, please stay hydrated. If you're somewhere in other parts of the world, get yourself all liquored up over Christmas because it's way more fun that way. Anything from you, Will, to finish? No, let's wrap this one up. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. (laughs) All right. On behalf of that guy over there in the Adelaide Hills, on behalf of myself here on the plains of Adelaide, my name is Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.